so good seeing you all today. I've been looking forward to seeing you all week, spending time in his presence and in his word. Such a privilege to be able to teach and preach the word this morning. If you don't mind, I'd like to read a couple passages of scripture to you to help get us going this morning. The first is from Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. If you don't have your Bible with you, we won't hold it against you. You can read along on the screen behind me. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16 says, Stand in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths where the good way is, and then walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. And Jeremiah's stringing together a, a larger thought there, so the, the final ending of the verse is a transitional sentence that says, but they said, we will not walk in it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to make the mistake that Jer- the people in Jeremiah's day made. I want to make the right choice to seek out and to ask for the old way that's good. And I also would like to read this morning, if I may, from 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10 say this. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Elbow your neighbor and say pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. And so God granted him his request. If you don't mind, I'd like to pray just briefly. I know we've prayed quite a bit, but I'd just like to pray before I share. Lord, we humble ourselves before you and we decide and we choose in our hearts today to, to come hungry. Lord, we submit ourselves to the truth and the authority of your word. Lord, we open our hearts and we ask that you do surgery today, that you speak to us, you teach us, and that you empower us to live and to become the men and women that you've made us and called us to be. Lord, we put our trust in you that you always keep your word and that your word will do what it has always done and that it will cause us to be changed forever. Lord, I ask that you help me to speak clearly and accurately. Holy Spirit, teach me. Use me today. And Lord, we all promise you what you're owed and what you deserve and that is all the glory and all the honor. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Help me say it. Amen and amen. I wanted to say a special thank you to someone on our team today. She's a very special young lady who she, she serves with 
such diligence in an area that oftentimes it's, or I should say, I shouldn't say oftentimes, but it's easy to forget about. Um, I want to say a special thank you and recognize uh, Miss Kelsey Johnson this morning. Kelsey, just stand up right there. Let everybody see you. Now, if you don't know, uh, Kelsey helps give oversight and direction to our kids' ministry here at the gate. And uh, I don't know about you, but I am really glad that I have someone to help me not just uh, take care of, but to care and to teach our children the Word and the ways of God. Amen? So we want to say thank you to you, Kelsey, and thank you to your team. Uh, We strongly encourage any of you, uh, here's what I would say, that kids' ministry, it can be a challenge. I don't think anyone who's ever parented a child would disagree. I can say this, it is deeply rewarding. And so there may be some of you in here today saying, I want a deeper reward out of my walk with Christ and out uh, out of the life of the church. I would say this, Gate Kids is a great place to start because you're working and tilling very fertile ground. So if, you, if you're interested in that, please see Kelsey. She'll be hanging around after service. You can reach out to us through all of our channels and venues to do that as well. Does that feel all right? Thank you for helping me show some honor where honor is due this morning. And, you know, last week we were talking about seeking. Does anybody remember that? Last week we were talking about seeking. And I just felt a burden in my heart that as we opened the new year and we're in the middle of our Uh, First of the year sermon series called Cutting Wood, not C-U-T-T-I-N-G, that is cutting wood. We're cutting wood, C-U-T-T-I-N with a little over it, cutting. Look at your neighbor and say, we're cutting. And here's what that means. Cutting wood is the old way. Most of us, we have electric gas fireplaces, we have central heat and air. But in the old days, you had to cut your own firewood if you wanted to survive and make it through the winter. And as we're all going through a, thankfully so far, a fairly mild winter season this year, uh, we need to remember this, that for hundreds of years, one might say thousands of years, mankind during the winter has had to cut and prepare his own firewood. It was a foundational necessity for life. If you didn't have wood heat, you couldn't stay warm, you couldn't cook food, you couldn't boil water, you couldn't do all the things that are necessary And so for us in our Christian walk, we want to borrow a metaphor from the old ways, and we want to reimagine and approach with a fresh perspective some of the foundation of what it means to be a Christ follower. And so that's why last week we began with the principle and the concept of seeking God. My heart is burdened because it seems to me that having grown up in church, I've I've spent 30-plus years watching as people come to church they attend church, they might on some occasions serve in the church, and then there's even a smaller percentage that will give to the church. And, and yet I watch and sometimes I wonder if, something, if church has not become something that we do rather than a venue and a place and a holy sanctuary where we seek and run after God. I need to remind somebody today that God found you when you were lost. God don't need finding, He ain't lost. So you didn't go find him. He came and he found you. But sometimes a relationship with Christ is like a a spiritual tag game. So the thrill of tag is not always catching up with the one. It's when you finally do catch them. There's an added thrill when you catch the one that you're chasing. And I need to remind somebody today that 
Uh, God, he came and he met you. He tagged you. He found you. He saved you. He redeemed you. He healed you. And then he'll turn and he'll say, come on, come with me. uh, Jesus told his disciples, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And my admonishment to the gate church this morning is that we not forget that God is to be sought. It's our choice and our action. It's our discipline to run after him and to stay hungry for him and to thirst after him. And that God is not supernatural Santa Claus or a Holy Ghost McDonald's where we pull up to his window and ask for a number two and a large Coke with extra ice and he throws it in the cup holder for us and then we speed off back to our life doing what we were doing before we got hungry. Not getting a whole lot of help in here this morning. So I can tell you, we're going to have to preach through. So we have a tool for you to help you seek. Some of you may be familiar with what I'm holding in my hand. If you're not, that's okay. But uh, this is a devotional CD that was designed for one purpose. It's to help you start your day in the presence of God. And so I'm holding a physical one in my hand, and yes, it is a CD. Uh, I doubt that there are many of us in this room that we even have a CD uh, CD player. If you do still have one, that's great. We have them. Brandon's got a CD player. No kidding. Wow. So if you want a physical CD, they'll be at guest services. After service, you just go straight out the middle doors. They'll be looking you right in the eye when you come out. You can also download these on Amazon. And so I encourage every one of you, if, if you're hungry to seek, if you're hungry for a new year, for a fresh walk, a fresh perspective in your spiritual journey with Christ, I strongly encourage you, get this, get a copy of this, get the hard one. It would be worth it if you bought this, and then you go and get you a CD player down at the Target, and you plug that thing up in your quiet place, in your prayer closet. If that's what you have to do, it'll be worth it. Because it helps you develop the discipline of entering into God's presence during the beginning of the day. This thing has been around for, gosh, how many years, Cole? 20 years at least? 20? And the testimonies attached to this CD are absolutely amazing. And so uh, our founding, one of our founding pastors here, he wrote this and created this years and years ago. So I strongly encourage you to grab a hold of this. We... Yes, you can also download them, like I mentioned, and you can uh, get them on Amazon as well. So that's a little tool to get you going. I want to give this one away. Somebody want it? Who wants a CD? I saw your hand up first. Sorry over here, but I was looking this way. Help out my sister out there, Ben Williams. Thank you. And so I want to talk to you today about one of the byproducts of seeking. So last week we discussed all about seeking Him, running after Him, choosing Him. And today I want to talk about one of the things that happens when we do seek Him. And so I want to remind you that your journey officially starts when you receive Christ into your heart. That's the starting gate. That's the wake-up call. And I would say this, though, that it's unfortunate. Many people seem to wind up stuck there, and they never seem to move past their original salvation, and that unfortunately we have set the bar so low that what it means to have a relationship with Christ is that you may come to church once a month when and if it is convenient for you, but uh, it isn't. I hate to say to you today that the standard for following Jesus and the standard for having a relationship with God is far higher than that. 
Because we have a God that He knows us and He has formed us from our mother's womb. He knew you before you knew yourself. He laid eyes on you before your mom and daddy laid eyes on you in the delivery room. He has known you since before your first breath and He will know you long after. How dare we approach Him as flippant as in I only need to speak to you once in a while. I only need to read your word every once in a while. I only need to get into your presence when I'm real good and desperate. God is not our buddy. God is not our homeboy. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's not ashamed to call you friend. However, he is also the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is the Ancient of Days. He is the life and the light of men. He was and he is and he will always be. And so I need to remind you today that you didn't do him a favor by coming to church today. He blessed you by meeting you at the meeting place Today, we're running after a king and a savior who, when the earth was without form and void, he came and he rested on it. And he, when he said, let there be light, before there was a sun, brilliance shone forth in the created universe. And when he formed our species out of dust, I need to remind somebody today, you ain't that big a deal. You started as dirt. You started as clay. You started as mud. You were a bag of bones. And then God went, and he breathed into you a life and a soul and a purpose. You are who you are because he breathed on you. He is magnificent. He is wonderful. He is mysterious. And yet he's relatable. He's understandable. I need somebody to wake up today and realize that it's not a burden to run after him. It's not a chore to run after him. It's a privilege to know him. It's the best use of my time to seek after him. The best words out of my mouth are worship for him and praise prayer towards him. I wish there were some veteran saints in here would help me preach and help me testify that the best thing you can do with your time is to seek God, to study God, and to know God. Because Jesus himself said the essence of eternal life is knowing God. Heaven is not somewhere you find yourself. Heaven is a relationship when you know Him. You shouldn't wait till you die to get to see Him. You should wake up and start seeking Him today because that's when heaven invades the earth. He's a perfect creator, a king, and a savior. And when you make the choice in your heart to begin seeking him, we're like children riding a, learning to ride a bicycle. There may be training wheels on it. We may be wobbly, and from time to time, someone has to help us straighten the bike. You're going to fall off, bump your knees, scrape your elbows. You might even scrape your noggin if and you're not careful. But guess what? Just like everybody had to learn a bicycle the same way, we all have to learn to seek Jesus the same way. When we start out, we don't know what we're doing. But the more we stick with it, the more we practice it, 
When you get bucked off the horse, you get right back on it. Don't let that horse whip you. Don't let that bicycle whip you. Don't let the circumstances of life steal from you the joy and the privilege of knowing a creator who loves you. That right there is helping somebody. You've been beating yourself up because you, you start and then you forget or you fall off or you get distracted and you, or you pray good for three days and then you don't pray for five. And I just need to tell somebody, quit beating yourself up. The point is not always how perfect you are. The, the point is that you wouldn't quit. The point is that when you lost sight of what's important, you, you lifted up your eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. You didn't forget God in all of your doing and all of your running. I need to remind somebody today that there's no guilt or shame to be felt for anyone who would say, I want Jesus. It's the plan of the enemy that would whisper in your ear and say, you hadn't been praying enough. You hadn't been reading enough. You, you did so good for a week and then you messed up one day. The Bible says better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. So if you just spent one day last month, you're doing a lot better than most. So this month, let's make it two. You doubled. Because we have to run after him and seek after him. And he, he doesn't condemn us when and if we miss the ball. And, and the more we seek him and the more we run after him, there's a spark that starts to ignite within us. You can have a sports car, and if I could, I'd park one right here on this stage. We could get that brand new Z06 Corvette that is so bad, Mama Jamma. You rev that thing up, 9,000 RPM, 0 to 60, and about 3.5 carbon fiber roll cage. Bless the Lord. I'll take two, if you please. But guess what? You can have all that engineering. You can have all them boys out in Kentucky that design them things. So like they, got, they got rocket scientists designing that car. You can have all that carbon fiber, and you can have all that paint and that fancy leather stitched with Italian stitching, and you can have a motor and a transmission. And guess what? It don't mean diddly squat if there's not a spark plug in the motor that will ignite the fuel source and cause those wheels to turn. You don't get to hear the roar of the engine and the, the pull of gravity if you ain't got a spark. And I need to remind some saints today that when you start seeking Him, when you stay hungry for Him, when you stay thirsty for Him, there's a spark that starts to ignite in you. And all of a sudden, combustion, spiritual combustion will happen within you. The old timers used to say, I got a fire Shut up in my bones. I can't explain it, but I, I feel like I'm on fire on the inside because when I've been with him, when I've been resting with him, when I've been letting him minister to me and fill me up, I feel like I can do anything. One of the things that that spark ignites within us is purpose. Purpose. I need to remind somebody today that you are beautiful and you are handsome, but that is not the reason that God puts you on this planet. God never makes something just for making its sake. Everything He makes and He designs, it, it has a specific purpose. That's why He doesn't make two of anything. I need to say that again. Somebody needs to hear what I just said. God has never made two of the same thing. 
He's so ingenious. He is so creative. And he is so perfect in his execution of creation that he doesn't manufacture anything. No two blades of grass are the same. No two trees are the same. No two animals are the same. No two flowers are the same. And guess what, baby? No two people are the same. He made you the way he made you for a purpose. He made you the way he made you for a purpose. And when you spend time with him, the spark of purpose will start to ignite within you. And the longer you walk with him and the more you seek him, you start to become aware of that there is a reason why I am here. And I would say this, that God's purpose for your life is like a road. And when you travel on that road, that's where all the peace, grace, provision, strength, and joy of your life will be found. But I also want to say this, is that that road, that path of purpose is where you'll find Him in His greatest measure. I'm going to try that again. Walking the path of purpose is where you will find Jesus in his greatest measure. That is where you will find and experience the greatest sense of fulfillment in your life. Purpose is a wonderful and magnificent gift made just for you. No one can walk out and fulfill your purpose in life. And somebody needs to hear me today that you may have thought that you're insignificant or that that you weren't worth looking at, that no one's paying attention to you, no one's listening to you. You may not even be on social media. No one's putting a TV camera in your face and asking you what you think. But don't you listen to the lie of the enemy that would say you are insignificant Because here's what I would say, is that the moment God breathed into you, the moment He saved you, the moment He called you, He gave you His purpose, and if you don't fulfill what God has made you and called you to fulfill, then your family, your church, your city, and your nation will be less for it. You thought you were less than, but I need to tell somebody today that Jesus died for you as much as He has ever died for any person on this planet. Society may look down on you because of your raising, because of your socioeconomic background. People may look down on you because of the color of your skin, but we all bleed the same red blood. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he hung on the cross for every man and every woman and every child. What makes you significant is that Jesus gave his life for you. He knows you and he has called you. And so we want to speak just a little bit about Jabez and what does it mean and look like to be a person of purpose. And so I love that the the passage of Jabez starts out describing that he was more honorable than his brothers. And, and I, want to, I want to hopefully reaffirm the idea and concept to the body of Christ today that we are called to be people of honor. And that honor is a great gift 
that as you give it, it will be given back to you. And I heard a, my daddy always taught me, I think he got this from a movie, but my daddy always taught me that honor is a gift that a man ultimately gives to himself. And that means when I show honor to other people and when I ultimately show honor to God, then God will see to it that men and women will honor me. You're called and you're made to be a person of honor. And so what does that mean? I think that if we analyze the story of Jabez, we'll find the, the beginning, we'll find the seed and the roots of honor in his actions. It says he was more honorable than his brothers, but it says that his mother called him Jabez because he was brought forth in pain. What a terrible reason to name a child. Y'all must have named y'all children after pain. I'm going to try over here. What a terrible reason and a terrible name to put on a child is that of pain. There's some people you've labored from the day you were born under mama's pain and under daddy's pain. It's been like a weight, a label, and a burden that has been laid on you and, and placed on you. But Jabez shows the honor of his heart. He makes an honorable decision when from the first day of his life, he was named for pain. He experienced pain. He lived in pain every day. Have you know that pain has a way of making people bitter? Pain has a way of wearing you down. It has a way of isolating you. It has a way of making you judge everybody around you. And sometimes when you're in pain, you won't hesitate to unleash your mouth on brothers and sisters. Because if I'm in pain, sometimes consolation is someone else is in pain too. And have you know that's a, that's a short road and that's a shallow pond to swim in because hurting people, hurting people, if we do that long enough, then we're all in pain. And have you know that Jesus hung on the cross to help solve those problems, to help show a different way, to help give us a different example. Because when he was at the pinnacle of his pain, when his mouth was thirsty and we gave him vinegar, and when we were poking him in the side to let that last little blood out of his body, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jabez had an honorable Christ-like response because rather than condemn his world, rather than cut off his mama and his brothers and sisters, he ran to God. I need to let somebody know today the best thing you can do with the pain of your life is to run to God. And I wouldn't let nobody or nothing get between me and God's presence. If I'm in pain today, I wouldn't let anybody or anything get in between me and God's altar. I want to have an honorable response to the world around me. And when life deals me lemons, I don't even make lemonade out of it. I take my lemons and I throw them on God's altar and say, say, God, meet me where I'm at. It's honorable sons and daughters who are seeking after Jesus that when we experience the pain of life, we don't condemn the world. We run to God. And so Jabez had a thousand reasons to turn his back on God and to turn his back on purpose, yet he responded honorably by seeking and running after God and seeking God for our purpose, seeking God for redemption and for salvation is not just a one-time event. It's a practice every day that we seek and we run after Him, believing that by fulfilling our purpose, 
will bring salvation and redemption to the world. That's the old way that is pleasing and will bring rest to your soul. And I want to charge us all today that if we'll commit ourselves to to run after and seek after that old path of purpose, of not becoming bitter and kindling the desire to be a man or woman of honor, that God will bring rest to our souls and we'll walk in an old path in a new way. A wise man once told me that God's principles never change, but His patterns will. And so I believe that God is leading a new generation in the old ways in a new way. And I need to let somebody know today that you ain't got to be just like grandma or grandpa. But when you seek him how they did, he'll do a new thing and a fresh thing in me and in you. And our world will be better for it. You know, many times when we study biblical heroes, we see all the suffering and the sacrifice, the pain and the problems. And we see how that they're misunderstood and misused and and many times we'll hesitate when we feel the pull of God's purpose in our life because we say I don't want to be like them I don't want to experience what they experience but I need to remind you today that God doesn't always promise that you will be comfortable God doesn't promise that our lives will be defined by convenience because he's not a king of convenience He doesn't bend to the world and to the systems. The systems in the world bends to Him. The the Bible says that the government of the universe rests on His shoulders. So if you want to be a person of purpose, you need to look in the mirror and you need to reckon with yourself that convenience and comfortability can't be my God. Serving a king is not always convenient. Oh, I felt that. See, some people, you always want Jesus to do it how you want it done. If Jesus would have left the fate of the world in our hands, it would be a mess just like it was in the Old Testament. He had to come and do something that was not convenient and it was not radical. It was universe shifting and life changing when he allowed us to put him on that cross. How prideful are we to tell an eternal God, if you could hurry up and do this, it'd be great. Some of us need to repent because we want God to give us His best. We want peace and rest and we want fulfillment that will satisfy our soul, but we don't want to be inconvenienced and we don't want to miss a football game. We don't want to miss the NASCAR race. I'm country. That's what we do out in the country. You don't want to miss the Daytona 500, and yet you want God to save your soul and fix your marriage and heal your body and watch out for your kids. Some of us need to look in the mirror and reckon our own pride and our own entitlement that we believe we're owed something and that the world should come into a line with our whims and our fancies. I need to tell somebody that hell is if God gave you everything you wanted right when you wanted it. You'd look around in six months, you'd be so miserable and so tormented, you'd be begging God to come and save you from yourself. 
Some people, you've been turning away from pain. You've been turning away from difficulty. You've been turning away from struggle because you've been afraid. But the scripture says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes I want to say this. If you want to experience power, love, and a sound mind, you got to look pain right in the eye and say, you may hurt me, you may sting me, but I'm going after Jesus. Mama and auntie may be judging you for going to that church and they may be judging you for praying and for giving and for serving, saying, come over here and do it the way we've always done it. You're getting above your raising, believing that God is going to use you and change your life. But I need to ask, who are you going to stand before when you go to the other side? Is it mama and auntie that's going to give judgment over your life? Or is it your king and your creator when he says, what have you done with what I gave you? What have you done with the strength that I gave you? What have you done with the talents that I gave you? What have you done with the purpose that I gave you? What have you done with the grace, mercy, and compassion that I gave you? Did you go and bury your life in the ground? Or did you say, this is what my master has given me. I'm going into the world. I'm going to try. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to love and forgive when people want to see me condemned and trust that God will take what the enemy meant for evil and he will make it into good. We like to read about heroes like Joseph and how God vindicated them and how his critics and his enemies had to bow before him. But we run at the first sign of betrayal. We love to read the Psalms of David, but I would say this, many people will read the Psalms, but they never write their own because they're not willing to go through the pain, the betrayal, and the warfare that the writer had to write. I need to remind somebody today that we have this great gift and treasure that what the Old Testament heroes did not have, we have in full that if God has called you, he will make a way. He will provide everything that you need because his promise is that all of our needs will be met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Don't you duck your head. Don't you bow your head. Don't you avert your eyes when you see the pain and difficulty of life because you have in you he that is greater than he that is in the world. You have the gift of Jesus Christ alive and well on the inside of you. Y'all are making me preach today. Did y'all come hungry today? There's a song that we like to sing that comes from this passage about Jabez. I don't know if y'all remember it. We used, to, we used to sing this song all the time, and I love it. I don't want to condemn the song and definitely don't condemn the songwriter. I just feel that sometimes as believers, we had a cheap understanding of what the song was saying. Have you remember we used to sing a song called, No Limits. Don't laugh at me. I'm not Ashley, okay? No limits. No boundaries. Enlarge my territory. And now, that's not bad, right? It's all right. Actually, you take vacation next week. I got this. I'm not that cruel. Now, we were singing that song, and 
I was 21, 22. Very immature and very shallow in my walk with the Lord. I wanted it, but I had no idea what I was doing. And we were singing that song, and I was singing the words of the song, but I think what I was singing in my heart was, Mercedes, Ferrari, living in Gallardia. Woo! Listen, if you got a Mercedes, you got a Ferrari, you live in Gallardia, I love you. I'm happy for you. I bless you. How you know that's not what that song is saying? And that's not what the passage in the story of Jabez is saying, because that's not a song about materialism. That's not a song about status and power. Jabez wasn't asking for a full bank account. Uh, let me try over here. Jabez wasn't asking for a full bank account when he cried out and said, God bless me. God enlarge my territory. What is he asking for? The heart of what he's asking for is when he says this. Let your hand be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. A lot of people think they have been in pain. But you can tell where they are in their walk with pain based on how they respond to it. A person who has tasted and seen the healing and the redemption of Jesus, their response to pain is this. Not God fix the world. Fix me. Fix me. Fix me. Because I don't need you to fix Jordan and Jill or Ben and Elmore or Brooklyn Holly or Colin Eva. Jesus, fix me. Let your hand be with me. Let your voice be in my ear and let your praise continually be in my mouth. Because why? Jesus, I'm not expecting you to fix everybody else and leave me the same. I'd rather be with you and you fix me and then I'll go into the world and I'll love them. Them that are broken, them that are wounded, them that are in pain. God, don't withhold your hand from me. What's he saying? God, be with me and then enlarge my territory. Jabez isn't asking for stuff. He's asking for influence. I need to let somebody today that God's purpose is not just about you having a Rolex and a Rolls Royce. God's purpose for our lives is that we can go into our marriage. We can go into our family, our city, our church, our community, and we can say, God, use me so that I won't propagate pain and I won't hurt that one and I won't judge this one. God, use me to make a difference in the world. Because, because Jabez had known pain, he was named for it. But he knew that only God could transform a life of pain into a life of purpose. Jabez ran to God because he understood that even if your mama curses you, God will still bless you. That's worth shouting over right there. Even, even it's so bad, even if your own mama laid a name of curse on you, God will look and say, no, but I bless you. Jay, you know, pain makes your world small. I've had some tooth pain here lately. The other night I was tucking my son into bed and he, 
he didn't mean to. He bopped his head up real quick and he hit me in the mouth. With, he headbutted me in the mouth. My, my world got real small. It felt like fire and electricity all on the front of my face. I was moaning the blues, but, you know, I'm really proud of myself. Not one four-letter word entered into my mind. All I could go was, oh. I didn't give a rip what was going on in Washington, D.C. I didn't care who they's trying to elect for Speaker of the House. I didn't care what Goldman Sachs had to say about the economy. I didn't even care what was going on down the street. All I cared about, my mouth is in pain. But Jabez understood that when you're in pain and your world is small, you run to God and he'll enlarge it. And you thought because you were hurting so bad, you couldn't help nobody. But God has a mysterious, magnificent way of turning pain into a platform. I like that. That's good preaching right there. I'm going to amen myself. I'm going to get a little mirror right here so I can amen myself. Jabez understood that if I'm alone and God isn't with me, then I will propagate the pain of my past. I need to let you know today that you can't look in the mirror and say, I'm not going to be like Mama. I'm not going to be like Mama. I'm not going to be like Mama. And then not be like Mama. As a matter of fact, the more you judge the past, the more you get angry about the past, the more you get bitter about the past, you lock yourself into a path where you look around in 30 years, you're hitting the bottle just like Daddy hit the bottle. You're, you're raising your fist just like Daddy raised his fist. I am preaching really good right now. You're cheating on your taxes and cheating money just the way that uncle and daddy used to do it. You don't free yourself from the past by condemning it. You free yourself from the past by running to Jesus and getting forgiveness. Jabez's final cry is not to condemn the world, if my band and prayer teams will come. Jabez's final cry is not to condemn the world. It's God use me to make the world better. I'm going to be really, really bold. What happens in government matters. What happens in the economy, it matters. I believe that the body of Christ would do well to quit looking to capital cities for our help. I think that it is foolish to put our hope in such a small group of people who wield political power and put our hope and trust that they somehow will come to the revelation that we should make the world better. I believe the key to a brighter future for all people is when God's church quits looking somewhere else and we start looking in the mirror and we start saying, God, how can you use me? God, how can you love through me? How can you forgive through me? How can you be generous through me? God, show me what to do today. I don't want to condemn my world. I want to go into it with the love and the power of the gospel. I can tell that was a tough one. And we'll save that one for next month. And Jabez didn't want stuff. He wanted influence. God, give, There's nothing wrong with asking God, make my world bigger. Give me influence. Give me entrance. Connect me with more people. Those things are not evil and wicked. Those things are good. When your heart cries, God, I, want, I am blessed to be a blessing. 
My prayer for you all is that as you seek God and as the spark of purpose is ignited, that God's going to increase you. He's going to enlarge you. You'll find yourself hanging out with people that maybe you wouldn't have hung out with. You'll find yourself eating with people that maybe not your normal crowd, but they need the God that you've been seeking and cultivating within you. Just how you've run after the word, you'll find people will come to eat. People will come seeking because people everywhere, all they're looking for is God. They're looking for truth, something they can trust, something that is real. Does that feel all right? So as our prayer teams come this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Because what begins, what ignites this process of purpose, this awakening of purpose is your choice. It's your hunger and your desire that says, God, I don't want to go through the motions. God, I don't want to be the same old. God, I want a new chapter. I want a new day. I want a new way. I believe that what has been doesn't always have to be. When you run to God's altar, when you run to meet God in prayer, God will meet you. And if I may give one word of encouragement, the spark of purpose is not always accompanied with a great feeling. I am confident of this, that my life has been changed in dramatic ways that I didn't even know it at the time. But I looked around in the days and weeks to follow and I realized everything was different. So our prayer teams are here today to pray with you towards these ends. If you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the one who ignites purpose within us, we want to introduce you. If it's been a minute and you say, my relationship with Jesus is as stale as 20-day-old bread. I need a fresh perspective. I need a fresh spark in my relationship with Jesus. We want to pray with you. And you might say, I think I've got a good relationship with Jesus. I, I just want something new. I want something more. I wouldn't let anybody get between me and this altar this morning. And you might be a person, you say, you know, I've walked, I've attended church, I sing the songs. I don't know if I've ever really known my purpose. We want to pray with you and believe the one who formed you and the one who knows you, he will reveal to you everything that he has for you to do. Does that feel okay? So won't you stand on your feet with me as we prepare to pray? I'm going to pray a pastoral prayer over you and then I want to release you to come and be in the altar. I don't want to dismiss you just yet because I'm believing that the Lord is doing heart work in some people today. And there's some people you walked in here today not knowing what your purpose is, but I'm, I've been praying for you all week that as we pray today, He's going to ignite the spark of purpose. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, Lord, we pray over each one today that you're moving on their hearts, you're stirring within them the desires for purpose, that you're stirring within them the desire to seek, to seek and to know. There's people already coming to the altar. If you're in here today and you say, you say, that's me, I want to touch. I want something new. I want something fresh. Go ahead and come to the altar. Don't wait. If you're hungry and you're thirsty today, come and don't wait. Lord, you're moving on our hearts, stirring up within us a desire for the new and for the fresh. Lord, we release the calling and the fulfillment 
of each one to everyone today. Now, if I can, as, as the band plays and sings softly, I'd like for you all here today, I'd like for you to join in prayer with us. Join in seeking with us for those that are in the altar. If you, if you feel the Lord pulling on your heartstrings and you haven't come to the altar yet, you don't need to miss this moment. Don't let fear, intimidation, or shame steal from you what the Lord has come to give you freely today. But if you're in the sanctuary today and, and you feel secure in your calling, will you just help me do this? Will you help me lift your hands? Just lift your hands towards heaven. Lift your hands toward these that are in the altars. And we want to surround them in prayer today. So I'm asking you to pray with me. I'm going to pray softly. I don't want to overwhelm these teams today. But if you don't know what to pray, help me pray. Pray with me. But Lord, I lift up my brothers and sisters to you today that are in the altar. Lord, you see each one. And you know exactly what they're believing for. Lord, you see their heart. You see their soul. And Lord, I lift them up to you in prayer. Lord, we get under them as family and we lift them up to you. Lord, we ask that you teach each one what you have, that you touch each one at their place of need, and that, Lord, you minister to them freely. You give to them freely. If you're in the congregation, help me pray this. Lord, we take authority over any plan or lie of the enemy that would try to steal your purpose from them. We tell you to go in Jesus' name. You have no place. You have no access to them or their life. Come on, help me pray, church. I'm seeing tears rolling down people's faces. God's ministering to these precious lives. Help me pray. Touch them, Lord. Give them everything that they need. Yes, Lord, we release a fresh wind of purpose a fresh calling, a fresh anointing. Help me pray, church. We release to them a new season and a new day. Ben Williams right there behind you. Help that lady right there find her place. If you need to be in this altar, don't miss this moment. There's no shame. There's no judgment. staring you down with hands raised. Help me worship with our brothers and sisters here. Come on, help me worship.
Hey Gate Church family, my name is Eva and I serve on the vision team, my husband and I, along with Pastors Jordan and Holly, and we just wanna thank you for joining us today. You know, we believe that there is no distance in the spirit. We say that all the time, but it's true. We know that the Holy Spirit can be moving with you right now, just as he is right here in our worship centers. We're joining together under the umbrella of his amazing presence. You know, Pastor Jordan said something really, it was simple yet significant. And it was this, that the spark of purpose is not always accompanied with a great feeling. And what awakens purpose is my choice. And I believe that the common thread is in that was in his message is that no matter what the situation, we can run to Jesus. No matter the pain, no matter the disconnect, we can run to Jesus. No matter how deep we feel buried in purpose, purposelessness, there is always purpose. And it simply starts with one thing and one thing only. Maybe you can't do anything else, but I can tell you this, you can run to Jesus. He has the answers for you. He has everything that you have need of. If you would just lay hold of him, he is readily available to you. Maybe you've never asked him to be your savior. Please let us know below in the comments. We have people online that want to pray with you, that want to pray for you, that want to come into agreement with you. We have a connect group that meets online. We want you to be connected with the body of Christ. But I just want to encourage you. I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And all you have to do is just receive. Say, Father, I run to you today. Jesus, I am running to your feet. I don't have the answers. I don't have all the world's problems solved. I feel crushed by the weight of what's going on in my life. But Jesus, I am running to you for answers. Jesus, I'm believing you for victory in 2023. Jesus, I'm believing you that my year of 2023 is going to be the greatest year I've ever seen in my life. It doesn't matter what's happened in 2022. I am throwing aside the things of the past. And Jesus, I am leaning in to your goodness, to your mercy, to everything that you have for me in my life. And you know what, guys? It's not just a one-sided thing, but it's a partnership. When we just partner with him, when we just begin to walk with him and to talk with him. And I love what Pastor Jordan said earlier. You know, the enemy would try to condemn you that maybe you spent time with God once this whole month. Well, guess what? Once is better than none. Let's go for it twice. It's a journey. It's not a sprint. He desires to love you. He desires to walk with you each and every day. All we have to do is to make the decision to run to him. Thank you so much for joining us. If we can be praying for you in any way, please let us know. We love you. We care for you. The Lord is with you and we bless you as you go and we will see you next week.